fine Blowing up like dynamite, I never meant to make you cry Hello and welcome to your new weekly edition of This is Ibrox, it's your Rangers podcast, the podcast of the champions. My name's Scott Patterson, you're very welcome and as always, we're joined by my two fellow podders, we're joined by Tommy McIntyre this week. Hi Tommy, how are you? I am good, a little bit deflated, but good. Yep. Robbie Halliday joins us again for another week. Hi, Robbie. How are you? I'm okay, mate. I, I, I was magnificent last week. I'm just, I'm good this week. I'm no, I'm no too down, but I'm feeling okay. How are well, you? Sir, I'm, I'm okay. We're kind of on that sort of dip towards the end of the season now, I think, aren't we? So listen, this Cybrox podcast is brought to you by Treble H Mortgages, your one-stop shop for all your mortgage and mortgage insurance needs. Contact them as early as you can on 01453 You can almost reach them via email, hello at hhhmortgages.com. Same address for their company website, which is treblehmortgages.com, and you can get them same address on Facebook as well. If you go on there and you speak to Craig and the guys, mention my name, Tommy, Robbie, or Willie, and they'll look after you very well indeed. This week on the podcast, we speak about uh, the final Celtic game, which is coming up this weekend, our sixth Old Firm game of the season. Look forward to that. We also talk about the freeze on the season tickets for this season. Decent from the club. Very pleased about it. And we also kick off this week about a really disappointing doubleheader, two games against St. Johnston. Tommy, take us back to Wednesday night in Perth. Yeah, I will. But again... I am always, every single week, I'm going to point out that sponsorship uh, kind of bio that you give, which was, again, and the listeners, listeners, the watchers might not know this, but that's the second part we've had to do that because of some <laughs> difficulties this, this evening. That's a rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, yet again, top, top tier. I do think, though, that when you do it, we just have to get some low-level jingle. Oh, that <laughs> would be class. Well. That would go. be class. Uh, we were saying off air that you know Rangers sometimes let you down, but Scott Patterson doing that intro never lets us down. Oh, Every single week, mate. A very good person. I don't know if you saw on social media during the last week there was a guy that was speaking and all of a sudden he turned into like he was he was doing an interview. Um, and he turned in as if he was commenting on the, the Grand National. And he started to go really, really quick. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm yeah, trying, listen, I'm trying hard to avoid that. I don't know if I'm managing, certainly. <laughs> You're doing brilliant. This isn't just a, a host. This is the this is Ibrooks host. Absolutely. And he does a tremendous job. Yet, yeah, listen, the game in Perth, how best to sum it up without swearing on a family show? Uh, it's probably pretty, that's probably the only difficult part of this this question. It's pretty grim, actually. Pretty grim watching pedestrian characterised by the, the, the late equaliser by St. Johnson and more on that type of thing coming up later, I, I sense. Stay tuned. But pretty much in terms of people switching off, it being rather lacklustre, and then us creating our own problems. So we had got to a place whereby playing really, really, not really poorly, but playing flat-footed and very much in the Oh, do you know what, I'll just, instead of putting it in the first gear, what I'll do is I'll just take the handbrake off and I'll push the car to the end of the driveway. <laughs> Playing very much that way, we'd managed to get ourselves into a winning position with the last kick of the ball. And then through a series of just strange decision-making and switching off. And a feature this season in some games is making the mistakes at the end of games and switching off and not seeing them out. Game management. Yep. We find ourselves giving away a penalty. You could debate the the actual challenge and whether it is a penalty or not and the merits of that. Personally, for me, I can absolutely see why the, the referee would give it. I think even Stephen Gerrard is in that camp. I think he said it was a penalty as well. And far be it from me to argue with Stephen Gerrard. 
So I, I can see it, but again, we've cost ourselves and all of a sudden two, two points stay in Perth when, quite frankly, you know, we could have seen it out. That said, I, I wouldn't actually, in any way, shape or form, begrudge St Johnston that it wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't an unfair result. They'd given just as good as they'd gotten and actually created some really good chances. But it is symptomatic of a thing that's been with us the entire season and the seasons before under Stephen Gerrard. And that's the players I'm pointing at, not Stephen Gerrard. And it's symptomatic of just a little bit of naivety when it comes to the game management. And it's cost us yet again, and we will touch on another element of that in a moment. I am bloody, bloody sure of. So, I there you go. That's the game. It's just really want to forget. Robbie, I'm keen not to, to dig too much into the, the cup tie just now, because God alone knows we're going to get to that. Um, however, we went around the houses last week, and general consensus was that we didn't think we would see Jack Simpson much before the end of the season. Um, and, and lo and behold, we had a really good opportunity to see him last Wednesday in the league tie against St. Johnston. Um, it was one of seven changes made. Uh, Stephen Gerrard has, um, I don't think he's often made changes like that, really wholesale, clearly with the, the cup game in mind. Um, your your initial thoughts on Simpson, I'm curious to know how you thought he played up there. Well, it's it's more the, the point you made about the seven changes that I, that I would focus on, <laughs> because I think we spoke about it last week, and I think and all of us individually says that we didn't expect him to have started the game. Uh, but if he did, I didn't think it'd be in amongst a team that had seven changes because, you know, I think if, if I've been honest over the, I'm, I'm trying to avoid sounding like I'm repeating myself, but both games are obviously quite similar for different, uh, for similar reasons. So I think that if, if we're all being honest, it probably didn't majorly impress. However, that's not me writing him off by any means because I think MD who hasn't played, up, played a lot of football and then gets brought into a, a midweek sort of quote-unquote meaningless game. Yeah, among seven other changes is difficult and that's the point I made last week where I didn't expect us to make as many changes that not because of the impact that I had during the week again I know I'm just going straight on to the weekend but no, no. it wasn't okay. so much the impact that I had in that game and it's entirely it was more the impact that I've had going forward and the, the lack of momentum would be taken into the weekend so I, I wasn't all that surprised having seen the team that, that Wednesday panned out the way it did because I mean, listen, actually, I'm struggling to remember 85 minutes for that game. It was that bad. So, But one thing I can remember is out of the seven players who came in, I don't think many of them played well. Scott Wright apart, probably. And again, for me, that just doesn't come as much as a surprise because I think that it's hard enough for players to come in in the cold in any given situation. But I just often feel as though when you make too many changes at one time, it's only going to go one way. And, I felt that, unfortunately for Simpson, it, it probably did go that way a wee bit. I think, yeah. on a, I actually think <clears throat> it was second in place for man in the match on Rangers TV, which I thought was pretty wild, personally. They, they eventually gave it to Scott Wright, which I was I agreed with, but I, their, their chat was between the two for, for man in the match. So again, I didn't necessarily agree on, but I, I do think we need to stress it. This isn't us writing the guy off by any means, because I think that'd be extremely unfair, but... Yeah. In terms of he's caught, you can only be honest and caught on the performance he put in. And I don't think he was as sort of solid or comfortable with him as you have been with Palander lately, unfortunately. So, fingers crossed if he does get a couple more games to the end of the season, he can maybe build on that a wee bit. So, Robbie, I'm going to stick with you because you, you've referred to Scott Wright. He was one of the seven changes. 
Um, and of course, before then, we, we, we spoke in the pod about how impressed we were with him in the, the Cove Rangers Cup tie. It was really, really good. The, the obvious argument is it was Cove Rangers, blah, blah, blah. We get that. However, he, he stepped up with a really impressive first goal for the club last Wednesday night. And I think it was probably, from a Rangers perspective, um, the only highlight of the evening. It was, a, it was a really good finish and it's kind of, the, the way the goal came about is the one benefit he brings to the team that I think only him and Ryan Kemp probably bring in yeah. terms of the front three and it's why he's been such an encouraging signing uh, and again, I'm going to do it again. I expected him to start the weekend after that and obviously <laughs> he didn't. Uh, but no, it, listen, I like that Lottati paint on a, a, bit of positive, a bit of positivity in the week and his performance uh, certainly was one of them I thought he he for me is definitely somebody that I, I really hope can build on how he's been able to start his Rangers career because I don't think many people would have foreseen uh, him to be able to start as well as he had especially given his sort of lack of appearances he's obviously made quite a few sub appearances but that can be difficult for, for any player especially coming into a, a much bigger club than he came from Aberdeen so uh, <laughs> I no, he, he took his goal really really well and as I said it's if Ryan Kent's not in the team before Scott Wright, I, I, I'd have struggled to see us playing any game with Ryan Kent because he's the only one with that sort of blustering pace, a bit unpredictability in the front three. So the fact that he's been able to, to top his good performances by getting a goal, it can only it can only do good for him. So really looking forward to, to seeing what he can do between now and the end of the season because I'd be I'd like to think that he'll get you know a, a wee bit of a run now. He certainly deserves it in my opinion. Tommy, obviously this week we've we've seen the the return of the captain, which which has been, has been really good. He's, he's came back at a good time, of with obviously with the, the SFA deciding they 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 do want to punish Nathan Parson and and the other four after all after sort of fanning about for for a couple of weeks on on that decision. But Tavernier comes back at a good time, um, and and gets ninety minutes or so under his belt um, up there on on Wednesday. Good to have him back and. At a pretty important time coming into the season because he's going to be wanting to be well to lift that trophy in May. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's fantastic to have James Tavenier back, and as as great as Nathan Parson has been, your comments of our governing body aside, there, and I think <laughs> nobody is entirely shocked either by the decision or the lack of accountability or the sheer cack-handedness of the way that our governing body. Tends to tends to you can, you can quote me on fanning about if you like. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I just Tommy was doing that there. Uh, yeah, I'm not <laughs> familiar with those technical terms. Um, uh, yeah, I was actually trying to find a word that I was really comfortable with, and uh, but they didn't say that. And so I, um, it's a family show, gentlemen. Um, and so, uh, but no, listen, it sums it up perfectly, right? Um, and you know, why are they fanning about? Well, it's because they are. You know, yep. um, so to, to that point, you know, Nathan Parsons has been really, really good. He's been more than able deputies, you know, cemented that place and he's moved, you know, uh, Leon Balligan uh, out of the, the position of, t- you know, temporary cover, so to speak. But having James Tavenier back, the, the gravity or the gravitas of your, your captain, and also the fact that he is really robust, um, played, you know, more than, uh, more than probably would be expected for coming back immediately. You know, might have wanted to embed them in a little bit you know, easier games and stuff like that. But then also popping up with a goal uh, the weekend as well. I'm, I'm doing it, I'm just jumping between <laughs> games now, right? But I think it's it's indivisible. It's hard to talk about the first game. Absolutely. Yeah. Talking about the second one and vice versa. Very much two you know, uh, um, very ugly uh, <laughs> conjoined twins 
so to speak. <laughs> I think you have to. I think that's the technical term for conjoined. I don't think you call anything anything else uh, these days. So yeah, it was great to see him. He gets his goal. He gives so much more focus to that attack. And again, I'm not slating Nathan Battleson here. They're just he's growing himself. Whereas it's still a bit. He's still got a way to go before he's James Tavernier. Um, and yeah, takes his goal really, really well. It's a great, it's a great finish at a really late stage in the game. And you think, oh, once again, we have managed to get ourselves out of jail here. And then the long arm of the law grabs us, so to speak, self-inflicted yet again. And yes, we, we finally get there. We have walked around the houses. Um, guy in a big fluorescent jersey. Uh, no, we don't need to mark him. People switching off at a set piece. You know, for a team that's, and, and put this in context, I think we've been beaten, what, um, three times this season? Yeah. yeah. Once by Slavia, once by St Mirren, once by, uh, once by St Johnston, obviously. And that's a spoiler for anybody who didn't know how that game worked out, by the way. So, you, you mean still to watching, you're in for a treat. Exactly. <laughs> I, exactly. Take a doobie with you. Um, Prop yourself up. Pro plus loyal. <laughs> so, um, you know, we need to be very understanding of the fact that, putting it in context, three defeats and very well aware that we've won the league championship at Cantor with a record-breaking early, early position in terms of the season, right? That's absolutely all fine. That said, it is also equally legitimate to be critical of the way that Stephen Gerrard's Rangers teams have performed in their domestic cups. Yeah. That's absolutely fine. You can hold those positions simultaneously. And in particular this season, when you look at what's happened to us, we went away to St Mirren, we made changes, right? And again, I'm not going to go at Stephen Gerrard here. I'm actually having a go more at the players, right, who have never taken their chances there and have frozen a little bit on those stages. But you go to St Mirren and you make changes. And I think Stephen Gerrard did say that was a bit of a mistake, right? Bob Gannis in the middle of that. I'm looking at you immediately. But didn't work out and we get put out by a team that quite frankly just out fought us a little bit and we almost go to jail and then managed to switch off again right at the death and then we get into the Scottish Cup where we've put out our big rivals um, taking another chance for a trophy in their biggest season uh, off of them right and ended their season effectively and then we go into no disrespect to St Johnston and I'm very well aware of the counter to this comment is yeah but we beat you so you don't deserve it right but a team that you would very much expect us to beat particularly at Ibrox particularly coming off the back of the fact that we had rested you know players with as the, the manager quite rightly said his focus purely being on trophies momentum and all that rhetoric you would expect us to have turned up the problem was we didn't turn up and we didn't turn up for the entire game in my opinion right it was all very lackluster all very pedestrian all very flat-footed all very it'll happen for us and then we get the goal Late in the day, sun going down, fantastic. Let's see this out and let's, you know, march on towards more trophies. And then we, as a collective, switch off, switch off defensively. Miss this guy in a big fluorescent jersey. Don't do the basics and shoot ourselves in the foot at the, foot at the end of a game once again. And then it cycles into penalties and stuff like that. And that becomes a bit of a lottery. And quite frankly, St. Johnston deserved it. Right on the, I I would say on the fact that what they put into the game, that's very difficult for me to say, right? Because I'm obviously livid, right? And I always want Rangers to win everything. I've said from day one about the invincible season, stick it in the bin, give me another yep. trophy. 
the fact of the matter is, it's quite right to say this team have, the way the season's panned out, yes, they've won the big ticket item. Fantastic. Right? Amazing, and they'll get all the credit for that, and I will still party when it's trophy day. But the way that the season's panned out, you could have been looking at a lot more silverware in there, and certainly, probably even worse, right? Not, not even worse, but what goals you, quite frankly, or goals me is, not even another trip to Hamden. We didn't even get to that stage of the proceedings. Yeah. And we allowed ourselves to be knocked out by two inferior teams. And again, that's no disrespect to St. Mirren or St. Johnston, who earned it and deserved it on the day, right? Best of luck to them. Um, particularly St. Johnston, obviously. Um, but it's, it's hard to not be frustrated with that. And so when some people say, yeah, but that's fine, we've still won the title. I get that. But Rangers are built on momentum, winning trophies. And even Stephen Gerrard, who we are all backing, who everybody likes, myself included, has said it was about building momentum. It was about achieving something. So now come the end of the season, it's not anticlimactic, but it's a case of got the title, had two cracking chances at, uh, at Cups, which means a cracking chance at a treble. Didn't happen. We're not going to be in the showpiece final at the end of the season. And then it's a bit of a hoodoo conversation about these Cups because we have underperformed in the Cups full stop. Right, we got to one final and we're fantastic on the day, but ultimately didn't win it. And I do not go down the route of other supports of saying, yeah, I'll take a shot at the we played well, but didn't get anything trophy. Don't care about it, right? You don't walk away with the winner's medal. That's all it matters. It's all it gets recorded in the, in the records. Yeah. We righted that ship by winning the league championship at Cantor, but we've blown it on two domestic trophies. This is, that's, that's not a controversial statement, in my opinion. Robbie, I want to bring it back just to, to Sunday there and the, the quarterfinal, St. Johnston quarterfinal, as I say, second part of a of a big double header. A couple of things that, that kind of jumped out at me on the on the 90 minutes part, not looking into the extra time, I, I was a little bit surprised about the decision to take off Morelos at nothing each. Didn't he play that well in the first half, certainly, but I thought he started the second half reasonably well. Certainly better than how he finished the first, um, and I was a little surprised that, that Steven Gerrard chose to chose to bring him off. I'm very surprised, actually, uh, because I think it was one of those games where it's it's a cliche shout with a striker, but see if they've they've missed three chances. At least they're in a position for three chances, and he probably should have scored before them. But uh, between him and Ryan Kent, for me, they looked like the two who were going to give you something at that time in the game. Yeah. And I just think that Morelos is probably one of those plays, players sorry, where how many times they played poor and still scored one or two? Or yeah. One, two, three maybe. There's been some games where he's, he's really had a quite poor game all around, but he's still produced, produced the goods. And that's why he'll potentially go for, for a lot of money. Just given the way the game was going, I, I found it extremely strange because see, even if you think of the, the dynamic of the game, and how we were playing and the only way we were creating chances. Every chance that we created, barring the uh, Kamara one, was for a cross ball. So I fancy Morelos has scored for a cross more than I do Kamara Roof. Yeah. And I yeah. think as much as anything else, it was equally surprising that I suppose we're no, we're no really blessed with uh, striking. Well, I know we've got Jermaine Defoe and, and said that Itton, but me personally, I don't think Itton showed anywhere near enough yet to be totally honest to, to look as though he's going to be a guy who could fill in Morelos shoes uh, so I don't think we're blessed with a sort of obvious replacement it's something we touched on I think two weeks ago where he says that well me personally said that 
maybe I wouldn't keep on Defoe because I still think time now we could do with another striker. I think it was proved that, that kind of proved the point where we're that surprised we took Morelos off and he wasn't playing great because I think that's a clear clear evidence that we, we don't trust the guys who are coming on as much yeah. as we'd maybe like. That's not me saying that Ruth's not a good player. It might become a, a good player. I don't think he showed it so far, in my personal opinion. But I don't think that I look at the options we've got and think, aye, he's the guy who's going to come on and win as a game. Would you say, so, Robbie, that his performances have been hit and miss? Oh, my goodness. Oh. Bad, by I, see, see, I, look, I look down and I see you sort of thinking, I'm like, Tom was going to his chin. He was doing that <laughs> whole... Tom was going to bring a good point here. And he hit me with a terrible pun on it. I make no apologies for what I've just done there. That's it. Back to the start of the podcast. So, we'll listen, you know, you know what I would like to do, though? I, I think... Um, Robbie made a lot of good points in there. The one thing that I found, I don't want to say galling, but it almost was that, is that we've spoke historically in the pods about how Roof hasn't really impressed us in playing the Morelos role, playing the centre of those three up top. And nothing each, I'm not sure, I'm not entirely sure I would have put him on ahead of Etienne, because I think Etienne's looked better up there as opposed to Roof has. I think Roof looks more dangerous coming in from either side or even as a maybe a deep line 10, if you like, I think Etienne would have been a better figurehead if the desire was there to absolutely replace Morelos, Tommy. Yeah, um, and uh, didn't use that pun to derail Robbie's well-made, <laughs> well-made points there. Um, but you're absolutely right. I would have I, I would have went with Etienne, actually, right? I do agree with that. Maybe for slightly different reasons of, you know, I totally agree with the fact that he runs the channels better. He's a bit more direct. I'm with Robbie as well. He's not exactly massively impressed, but then again, he's not in tons and tons of chances. So fair play. I'm not writing the guy off or anything like that. We know how difficult it is to come in and out. But when he has come on, he's shown that uh, desire and drive to to work hard. Now, I'm not saying that Kmart Roof doesn't do that. What I am saying is the reason I wouldn't have turned to him is I think he looks extremely leggy and fitness-wise really off the pace. Now, that's obviously because he's had the injuries or whatever. I'm not you know, suggesting that he's not working hard or anything in the gym, right? Far from it. But given the time of the game and the way it was shaping up and the ability to try and stretch teams, I would have absolutely went for, for it. And I don't think Roof was the right man to turn to. And I certainly wouldn't have taken off Morelos. I know it's a bit trite, right? And I don't mean it for the same reasons um, that some of the mainstream media would just latch on to when they're playing you know, anti-Morelos cliche bingo. But I do wonder if some of the thinking in uh, Steven Gerrard's mind was he was on a yellow. And I don't mean that he would react, right, and lose his temper or any of that, you know, narrative. I just mean he could have been unlucky. One mistimed tackle, one little shove, anything like that, and all of a sudden the refs get an excuse to whip out another yellow and you're heading into, uh, you know, extra time or whatever. Um, and that you know could be a difficult point. I know it was obviously the 81st minute that uh, Morelos came off, but uh, that's what I was thinking. Maybe we just pad it out, get him off. We don't want anything happening. You don't want him suspended for the next round or anything like that type of thing. And it just backfired a little bit. But I certainly would have would have kept him on if that was an option. He might obviously have been tiring as well. These guys are, guys are seeing the stats in real time, so it might have been these you know, stats were dropping off as well. But ultimately, it. Um, it was a bit fruitless, but a very, very strange, very strange decision, I think. I think it's just, going back to the who who I brought on, I think it's a difficult one to answer because I just thought it was that bizarre where else came off. So I don't yeah. think either of them is the correct answer. 
in terms of who should have came on for Morelos, because I don't think he should have came off. I thought that at the time. Uh, if anything, you could maybe argue keep him on and stick one of the other ones on, maybe try and push somebody else further forward. But if it's a comparison that who should have came on at another roof, well, I mean, the answer for me was neither. I don't think Morelos should have came off at the time. He looked to me, actually felt as though the momentum was going in his favour. He looked as though he was going to get a goal, because the one when he's head off the post, he's, he's got to score, right? But, I mean... It, He's done everything right. He's, he's got the right side of the defender. He's hit it down out of the corner. He's came in inside of the post. The goal he's made an hard good save from him but he's kind of went back to what a, a cross goal and yeah. then he set up the chance for Kamara. So the four, and then he had a, another decent chance as well. So ever four biggest opportunities he was involved in. So I think when you're that involved in the game, then you're kind of waiting for it to, to turn in your favour, especially given his previous record. So I, I must admit, found it Quite, quite strange. Yeah, and I think I don't think anybody disagrees with that. I think we're all in alignment here. That yeah, yeah. you know, given given the way the game was going, and I'm with you. Players can play relatively poorly, or they can seem to play relatively poorly. But then, actually, when you dissect it, they're involved in all the big moments. Alfredo Morelos is very much that type of player. Mm-hmm. Even when it looks as though he's maybe not in the game, he's very much at the heart of the big moments. And um, the unfortunate thing is, he didn't take a chance, or you know, Kamara doesn't take his chance, or whatever. But I don't think anybody disagrees with the fact that we'd have kept him on. I mean, you look at the bench and what, I think the only other forward option was, is it Greg Stewart? He was there, yeah, absolutely. Defoe, yeah. Was the bench as well? I'm sorry, I mean, well, Defoe came on, no. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, all people who didn't come on, Itton never made it, and Greg Stewart, I think Leon King was uh, on the bench as well, but I just mean in terms of forward options, yeah. Yeah. that was the only, only thing. Ultimately, yeah. Kemar Roof does look as if he's completely off the pace. It's a guy that really needs a good, comprehensive, injury-free preseason. I, I think as well, sorry, Scott. It's okay, mate. In there, but I think as well, see the psychology of these decisions in games, I think that's also very underrated. So if you put yourself in a position as a Johnson defender, Morelos has had to evade them to get three chances on answer up Kamara. So they've obviously found him difficult to deal with on the occasions because they wouldn't have got the chances otherwise. So, if I'm a St. Johnson defender, I'm delighted that he's came off. Delighted. Yeah. And after that, it's no coincidence that other than uh, 16 minutes into the, sorry, uh, the 116th minute, we've had our next chance. Because they're delighted he's went off because he's, whether or not he individually has played great that night, he still gave them a tough time because they've not been able to play as well because of him. So, again, I just think that if you're St. Johnson, you see him walking off the pitch, you're delighted, especially when... Not saying that he's a, not saying that they'd look at him as a bad player, but if I'm a St. Johnson defender on that night, I'm rather playing against Kamal Roof and Morelos, in my opinion. Right. Sorry, Scott, I'm going to do it as well. Apologies. <laughs> let's just call a speed. Let's call a speed of speed. Right, I'll get right to the heart of it. It's what the 81st minute, and you're trying to win a, a, a cup game that you're not playing particularly well in, and it's tight. You take off your best striker. Aye. Who's already, as you say, been involved in four big moments. Yes, he, he may be a wee bit misfiring on the night, but you take him off. That is a bit of a strange decision. And then you replace him with a guy who isn't really performing, who has been injured and is off the pace. Quite, he is quite clearly off the pace. That's yep. what led to the, the poor challenge um, against Slavia and stuff like that. I think he's mentally and physically off the pace. You turn, you turn to that. And I know we tried to freshen up with you know, Scott Wright and all that kind of stuff as well, but Roof wasn't the answer for me. So the, the other thing that kind of really surprised me at the weekend, so obviously the, the Tavernier scores, 
um, for some reason we don't do anything about the St Johnston goalkeeper appearing in our box and before you know it, we're looking at penalties. However, um, when St Johnston are celebrating the, the equaliser, um, Rangers bring on Jermaine Defoe for one reason alone and it was four penalties. And I'm a great believer. Rangers haven't been involved in, in a huge amount of, of penalty kicks um, from a, a competition perspective. But I'm a great believer that it's really important that you go off to a really good start and your set of pens. Um, and I was quite surprised that James Tavernier stepped up to take penalty number one after missing so much football and then playing for two hours. And then five minutes before, we brought on someone like Jermaine Defoe. I wonder if there is an argument for Defoe taking penalty number one. And I appreciate it all comes down to, to hindsight, Tommy, but I wonder if bringing him on... Um, it may have been sensible to give him the, the responsibility to take that first penalty because I think we all believe that that he would have scored. Well, he did. He did obviously score his penalty. I mean, I, I get, I do get some of that. I'm not sure I completely take it up if I was being honest. Yeah, yeah. Particularly, but I do get the I do get the logic behind it though, and I do absolutely agree with you in terms of momentum when it comes to penalty shots. Sometimes I think they're almost you know, self fulfilling prophecies. Yeah. Sometimes, that said, the forward when it came on, I was I think 124 minute or whatever it was, right? Yeah. So he's not really kicked the ball. First so touch. Ah, exactly. Your your first touch would you know you're saying do you want to lead with that guy? Now I know he ultimately scores his penalty, but in that scenario, do you want him to be the first one or Tav, who's and I get it, and it was a pretty poor penalty from Tav as well, but Tav who. Yes, he might be feeling the tiredness and effects, but he's lasted the entire game. He's back. He's buoyant because he's scored. And point. he's in that place as well. I think, whilst I understand your point, I think in that specific circumstance, he's revved up and ready. Yeah. He's did the whole thing. Ultimately, it's a poor penalty. So to your point. And then the momentum does does slip away ever so slightly. There was a, I mean, aye, penalty shootouts. There are, Rangers just weren't really at it. And it bled over into the penalty penalty shooter as well. I think there was a, a bit of a, how did we end here? How did this happen uh, about Rangers a wee bit in terms yeah. of getting to the penalty shooter? And then, you know, Xander Clark had a particularly good game for St. Johnston. He's a pretty effective goalkeeper and stuff like that. Uh, although I don't think I'd quite jump on the Xander Clark for Rangers um, bandwagon that I did see on social media uh, a little bit. But I, I to your point, no, I think Tav has got every right, and he's the captain. He kind of gets to decide. Um, whether it had been decided beforehand, I don't entirely know. Yeah. Ultimately, it was all a bit fruitless because we uh, we didn't manage to get through the uh, penalty shootout successfully. See, see, just going back to the game, what's your thoughts? I'll go with Scott. Take your role here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Talk me through Rangers midfield three. I was quite surprised at the, the three that he started with. And I, I think it's the first time in a, a good wee while, to be honest with you, that I actually felt Glenn Kamara looked a wee bit off it. Um, I didn't think he played particularly well at all. Um, I thought Davis Davis was good. I, I thought he played relatively well, but he's, he's consistent. But you're at the stage where he just seems to be regularly playing. He's, he's played just... He's, He's playing more often than not now. Um, and 
Aribo was the third guy in there, wasn't he? He yeah. was, yeah. I think we've 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 done this before. I prefer Aribo playing one up top as opposed to, sorry, one further up from where he, he was at the weekend. I don't think he is nearly as effective in a three across the centre of the park as he is playing either side of Morelos, more often than not. Um, so I think largely the three were, were quite disappointing across the centre of the park. There's no doubt in my mind if Scott Arfield was fit, he would have started probably with a view to the game coming at the weekend. I suspect he will start then if he's fit. Um I would have absolutely started him ahead of Aribo if he was around. Disappointing threesome across there for me. And and I I echo that. And I certainly echo the Aribo point. I, I, uh, Joe Aribo is not the type of guy, and this isn't naturally a criticism, but he's not the kind of guy that I want in the engine room. I want him further up the field making things happen. I don't want him you know, doing the brushwork. Yeah. And Steven Gerrard and the management team's defence, so to speak, I think, they, I think the entire team was kind of subpar in terms of performance, right? And they have been for a number of weeks, let's be brutally honest here. Old Firm game, you know, kind of uh, aside, uh, recently the performances haven't been stellar, right? But we've done enough and champions and all that type of good stuff and you do expect a little bit of a decline. Um, that said, when you've got an opportunity to go further in the Cups, that's when you're supposed to step up. Um, but, you know, in, in the management team's defence, what you've got, Kamara, uh, Aribo and Davis, as you said, Scott Arfield's carrying a knock. Let's say that takes him out of the picture. Ryan Jack, long-term knock, takes him out of the picture. And you're talking about fundamental guys in that midfield who really do a lot of work. And then you're looking at Bongani Zungu, who, quite frankly, has not done enough to justify any jersey. And he's gone now, isn't he? You'll not see him again, I don't think. I, I, I Only in my nightmares. Um, <laughs> just, uh, being chased by him and Brandon Barker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brandon Barker's more likely to catch her in Zungu. Hey, well, like, he's, he's apparently quite fast. I will. All I need to do is like point at a wig, and uh, that will <laughs> take him off. Of course, uh, a little. I should. I can't slag anybody. It has to be said. But uh, this, I, beyond the fringe, this is just painted on. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and not very well, by the way. <laughs> that's what this is. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, so you're talking about fundamental parts of the midfield there. So I suppose if I could play that question back. Aye, so he's, you can probably I guess that I asked the question because I had an opinion on it myself. So I'm actually quite surprised, and it sounds very, very hard to say, but I'm I'm surprised it's took until the end of May for our lack of midfield options to get exposed. So I think this was an issue we had right back at the summer. Hmm. It was obviously a bit of a scramble to get Zungu in for that very reason. He's quite clearly not turned out to be the player that the club hoped. But then since then, it's probably not been so much exposed. But as I say, there was a scramble to get somebody in. I've, I've always been in the opinion that individually, I think they are three great players. But I do not like the three playing together. I never have. Even in games where we've won, I very rarely think our midfield performs well when they three are together. So when we spoke about our field so a, a week or two ago, I thought I remember thinking after it, we've I've I've done him a, an injustice the way I'm speaking about him. I'm like, well, saying things like does the dirty work, puts a tackle in, and all that stuff. See, Scott Arfield for me, I actually think Ryan Jack's the same, and a lot of people aren't, aren't of the opinion of this, but I certainly think so. See if either of them aren't playing, none of our midfield run forward. Like if, none of them run forward. Like they, I, I know I'm contradicting myself because Kamara did for one of his chances, but and throughout the the course of a game. 
all three of them are very similar in the sense that they want everything to feet. So see when you're playing against a team like St. Johnson who have got three at the back or a back five, you need midfielders to run beyond. You need yeah. midfielders to run forward, to run forward and it's going to be a very easy game for them. So even for that reason, I won't go back to the Morelos point. That's why I found it even harsher because I thought he's playing against these at RCCL and not a single midfielder ran beyond them. They've done it once and we got a chance for it. So if you watch the game, see if you watch the game back or watch any Rangers game where Aribo plays midfield, 90% of the passes he receives, he's, he's playing at left back. Because especially in the second half, where we sort of do this like false fullback thing, where the two fullbacks go really high in the right centre mid and left centre mid, drop in the fullback position to get the ball, which is a fine way to play out. Like teams do it all over the world, but that's not you want Joe Aribo getting the ball. Where you want Joe Aribo getting the ball is where they set up the goal from coming in for the right-hand side, because, again, if you notice, in the second half, you know, watching the game, I was thinking, we need to stop playing 4 3 3 we've got to go to, I know it's, people can kind of overrate formations as such, it doesn't need to be, we go from a 4 3 3 to a 4 2 3 1, but watching the game in the second half, I'm like, we can't play a rebound a flat midfield, a flat three in this game, it's just a waste, there was nobody getting close to the cycle, there's nobody running beyond, so in extra time, it looked to me as though we changed it to a 4 2 3 1. It was 100% Ariba was playing off a striker as opposed to left centre mid. And it was a couple of times where he hit one over the top, he took it in his chest. There was a kind of Stramashi was involved in the box. And then it was up in the right hand side of the box, cut inside, set up the goal. But I'm like, I just find it so evident that it's been an argument that was had last year. In the start of this season, the, the sort of conundrum is he better in a midfield three and a front three. I honestly find it a no-brainer. If you look at his attributes, it's everything you want for a, a number 10 or a forward three player. Yeah. Not to say for a minute that he can't play in central midfield. And I, and I totally understand that yesterday, uh, Gerard's hands were sort of tied to an extent in terms of who he could play in a midfield three because we were always going to go with a, with a, three, uh, a 4-3-3. But I just think if you're going to do that, You've got to kind of revert it to a four-two-three-one type, or just tell them you're playing in a, in a midfield three, but you have license to go forward. But when we do this four-three-three in the second half, it was particularly in the second half, and I'd imagine it was to try and pin their wing backs in a bit because the first half I thought they were pressing us relatively high. Yeah. So it looked as though we were getting their their full. Uh, we, we were pushing our own full backs really high to try and press theirs back to give us kind of more space in the middle of the pitch or whatever, but. See if we're doing that and we're sacrificing a rebo, then receiving the ball on the halfway line effectively. For me, that, that's just totally negating his qualities, in my opinion. And I think that's where previously he's a player I've got frustrated with. But I've always made the point that I think a lot of it's down to how he's deployed as opposed to how he's actually playing the game. He's doing the job he's told. See if you see Kamara picking the ball up the left back and then progressing with the ball 10 yards and moving it on. You're saying, fair enough, that's what he's there to do. But when you think Aribo, where he's more effective, for me, I just think it takes away a whole lot of his game. I think, sorry, Scott, I was going to say, I think we can absolutely all get on board with that. And I think we all probably align, and I, would, I suspect the majority of the listeners and watchers align with the fact that Joe Aribo does his best work, you know, as close to the opposition's box as possible. He's got the ability to go beyond, he's got great turn, and, you know, matches up against multiple players at any one point in time. So he drags teams out of their positions. Steven Gerrard's hand was very much tied, unless mm-hmm. uh, he would have went for a, a youth option, so to speak, right? So we understand why that midfield three has been put together there. I'm actually the same opinion. I don't think they naturally work together that well. 
and they do leave that exposure of people running beyond which allows defenses to become slightly more rigid against us because they know that they just need to watch maybe a rank trying to get beyond but if they sit relatively deep then they can soak up a lot of that because they don't have to worry about people breaking the lines consistently and we'll just get that kind of back back and forward passing without any real penetration and make it a long diagonal or a corner goal or something like that so it makes it a little bit one-sided in terms of some of our um deployment of our play to, to that point that said, the wider conversation that we're probably having here is, so given that Joe Rebo naturally has to sit further forward, that's absolutely right, that's absolutely key, we can all get on board with that. And given the long-term perspective injury concerns about Ryan Jack, right? I'm not saying he's a crocker anymore, I'm just saying he's got injury concerns that have been there for a number of years, you know, that calf injury is not new, and stuff like that. Given that Bongani Zungu will move out back to his parent club, uh, one suspects, right? And given the fact that Stephen Davis, as good as he is, is not getting any younger, and if we are lucky, then next season will be again a midweek season as well. So you've got Champions League games, hopefully, you know, coming up and that type of stuff. How much can you rely on his body to keep going and keep dictating those games, right? And that's in no way, shape, or form a criticism of Stephen Davis, who I think we all uh, really enjoy and would love it if he was 21 again. Yeah. And was on a, was on a Jim McLean... 20-year contract uh, <laughs> with, uh, with with no pay rise type of scenario. Um, it, I don't think it's not it's not just a question then of who do you get to come in, right? The actual person or the type of bodies. There's a fundamental question at the heart of this uh, of how do Rangers want to set up in that midfield? Because I think there's a need for more than one midfielder. Yeah, I in do. There. And it's alongside the Morelos really won't a question in terms of having a really good focal point up top when it comes to CL matches and cementing your dominance domestically because we've spoken about cups but really the really big thing next season is to win the title again and get on that consistent role. What type of midfielder do you bring in? What types of midfielder? Because Bongani Zungu was supposed to be an answer. I'm not entirely sure I know what the question was. I was being brutally honest. Right? And I'm not picking on Bongani Zungu. Right? I'm sure he's a very nice guy. just hasn't worked for him. Right? But you then start to say, okay, do we need, do we need a, a midfielder who's going to do some of that dictating of the play and start to take some of the load off of uh, Stephen Davis and be an understudy kind of working in? And we also need another midfielder who's going to get beyond? Or are you looking for one midfielder to do that, whatever, right? all those permutations? And then do you go for established or do you go for a young project? Do you do both? These are fundamental questions that Ross Wilson and Steve Gerrard probably have to answer as well because it will shape up how we play in the future. Because Robbie's absolutely spot on, and strangely enough, I thought this throughout the season as well. I think we've touched on it a couple of times in the podcast. I'm surprised that other teams didn't work it out against us. I think, to be fair, when Celtic came to Ibrox in January and we beat them, they kind of worked it out a little bit. And they gave us a lot of stress in the midfield as well. And I think we've got really good midfielders, but depending on who's playing in any particular day, we can be got at a little bit in that midfield. And when it happens, we don't have a natural, you know, Glenn Kamara is not a Ryan Jack, we don't have a natural buffer in front of the defence. And if you get people running at you, you're always going to get exposed sooner or later. And if you can do that to us, I think we become quite quickly. And again, I'm not taking the team apart. We're champions, right? There's a reason why we're champions and you know, we've bossed teams up and down this country. But if you can get us stepping slightly further back from the defence line and you get our midfield a little bit chopped up, 
we very, very quickly find that we become a disjointed team because we don't sync up properly. Yeah. It's only when our defence is allowed to step up closer to the midfield that I think that we become a better unit and we allow the forward players to get slightly closer and actually start to expose teams. Now, I'm sure I could go and dig out all the tactical um, jargon for how that works, but I think it's just a sequencing thing in terms of if you can get your unit as close as possible, that's a lot easier to protect and dominate than something that's constantly no doubt that becomes a little bit weaker. Yeah. This is the issue with Zoom, isn't it? I was just going to say, may I play host again here and direct a question at my good friend, Mr. Patterson? Of course you can. So, if you think back to the Hibs Scottish Cup final, the euphoria yeah. of the semi-final against Celtic, and I'm sorry for bringing his right down again. It's okay, it's okay. But we've got the euphoria. Euphoria of the semi that year, and everybody was on a high thought, if, if you were to ask people after that game how many of the squad is capable of playing the Premiership next year, the answer would have been a lot higher than after the final, basically. So I think that that final, again, I've talked about how some psychological instances and elements can be very underplayed or underestimated in football. So I think us losing that final that year had a very negative impact going forward, personally. Do you think that us losing the way we did last night, or going out the cup the way we did last night, and going out the cup the way we did against St Mern, do you think that might actually work in our favour in the transfer market? So I, I'm not naive enough to think that guys like Ross Wilson won't already be thinking about how we can improve, but sometimes you get the feeling that see when you win every week, everything's brilliant. You think, how can we improve this team? We're yeah. brilliant every week. Do you think that us going out in the manner we did after us having a couple of injuries, in the mid- so we've got two injuries in midfield and what, we don't have a midfielder on the bench. Do you think us going through that negative experience at the weekend could actually work in our favour in the summer and how we plan going forward? 100%. I, th- I think what it does, um, it gives Steven Gerrard uh, an inclination of, of what he has to do in the summer of what, or what he, what he has to ask Ross Wilson to try and do in the summer. Um, and I think at the moment he is looking at potentially another centre half because I think there's an argument for when we go into the, the, the Champions League games. Um, and we can't say we've not seen this before because we've not played in the Champions League for, before. But I think there's a good chance Steven Gerrard to avoid any doings should we come up against a, a Spanish team or an Italian team, even one of the big four down south or however many they get to put forward for next season. Um, there's a possibility he may decide to go to three centre halves. Um, and that's before you you look at the option that maybe if he, if Balogun goes to things like the, the African uh, Cup of Nations, then do, does Hellander hang around for another season? Who knows? Is Goldson going to sign an extension? Who knows? Is Edmondson good enough? Who knows? Is Katic going to come back in any state of play to compete? Again, who knows? That's your centre-halves. Because we've already done a death the Jack Simpson argument and we can't really decide whether we like him or not. He needs another centre-half, at least one. He needs at least two more midfielders, I think. Um, Ryan Jack's fitness, I think, is becoming more of a concern than anything else. Um, Stephen Davis, as we've spoke about, can't go on forever. Scott Arfield has been quite inconsistent this season. When he's been good, he's been really good. But when he's been poor, he's really not been cutting the mustard at all. 
I think we have another issue up front with the, the Kmar roof thing and the the feasibility of keeping Jermaine Defoe for another season. So I think it's the the, the Cup games this season, the St Murn game and the St Johnston game at the weekend has, Robbie, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's given them plenty of food for thought and it's probably indicated a few areas that come the summer, Stephen Gerrard's definitely going to have to do something about it. Quite an interesting position. And again, you know, I think we're all fairly fairly aligned. I might say something controversial just to move it along at some point. Steve Gerrard must go. There we are. That's one for the Celtic fans to clip out and put on the other. <laughs> but, um, and be aware that I don't mean that in any way, shape or form, obviously. But it's, it's funny that we're talking about a championship winning side and the fact that it needs what sounds like quite a lot of surgery. And I think, and I do it myself, I don't... You know, I'm, I'm always conscious of maybe not, and let's say I'm criticising myself here to an extent, not overemphasising the CL stuff and the, the, the jump in quality for a couple of reasons. One, I hope springs eternal, but there's no guarantee of getting into the, mm. the, the CL group stages. We'll come up against some a good side in terms of the playoffs and stuff like that as well. And also, we've played against Champions League quality teams in the our Europa League runs. You know, teams like Braga and Slavia Prague and stuff like that as well. Um, and, you know, historically Porto and Braga and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say they're a top, top tier and they were going through some changes themselves, but we know what it's like to compete and we can compete at that level. So our training, coaching has, has done some of that. But when you start to look through it, you you do quite quickly find some, I wouldn't say holes, but areas where you think, well, it's always better to, you know, fix the roof when the sun's shining. Yeah. Type of scenario. And to, the reason I say that is to very much to your point, does it, or Robbie's question, I should say, you know, do you do you go out to the market now when you've got some extra you know, funds and we're a well-run organization and we've got the championship and you can sell that to players as well, you know, chance for Champions League. You know, it still means something to players as well. It's not all pound shilling and pence and um, being guaranteed not to be relegated and stuff like that. But you know. Do you then say, okay, well, I want to bring in a higher quality of player and then Stephen Gerrard and management team? And you're right, the Ross Wilson and Stephen Gerrard have done the black box stuff that was prevailing at Southampton under Ross Wilson as well. They'll identify geographical um, best players and they'll broken them down into the boxes and that's how he works, right? Absolutely fine. Love that approach, right? Like a grid square. So then you're asking, does the manager and the team think that it needs that level of surgery? And then are they going to go down a, let's bring in quite a few players, which I sense might not happen, or do they go down the Walter Smith Yelovich route, which is, I've got a pot of money and I need the jigsaw puzzle. I need that last piece and I'm going to spend it all on that one one player, which is obviously what Smith did uh, that season with Yelovich to a large extent. And I sense it might be the latter. I sense that we won't see multiple players coming in and out. Right? And some of that is dependent on who maybe does go, you know, if there's a big fat check for Alfredo Morelos, okay, things become a wee bit different, but um, that, that becomes a little different conversation. But there's an element of players that do need to be moved out with the lens of, thanks for playing, thanks for being 55, you maybe not people to take his on. But I sense it will be a big spend on maybe three players. Uh, and I'd be delighted if I'd proven wrong, you know, they found some gems down the back of the couch. Uh-huh. And... You know, we, we get bringing a host of players, particularly young players that we can develop and get money for as well. But I sense there will be one classy midfielder. There'll be somebody up top. 
and I think a predatory striker. They're still back and forward on whether Alfredo Morelos will go. I think Morelos will want to go. Um, but that's, that's still a different story, and that's not we haven't got him. And then I do think that we'll bring in another centre back as well. But I think that that'll be the, the key the key buys. But for me, really the big one is if I can only have one of those, I would take the midfielder because I think we can get by up top, particularly domestically. And we have shown that we can more than get by defensively, domestically. And ultimately, you don't win the domestic trophies. You don't have a conversation about Europe, right? unless you're from one of those big leagues, in which case you can finish whatever you want, right? Don't even take part in the league and you still get a place at the <laughs> table, right? But that's that's where I, I sit in that, that conundrum. And I, I hope that we not spend stupidly big, but I hope we go out and we get a really tidy, classy, classy midfielder to come in and work alongside the um, existing team. But some of that will be driven by fending off the bids that will no doubt come in for some of our players, including some of those midfielders that we referenced as well. So last week, the club announced the new season tickets were out and, and everyone was, was quite pleased with um, a price freeze, which I think is a, a sensible option from the club, uh, current circumstances considered, and, and the, the reality that we, we, we don't know if we're going to get anywhere near the ground anytime soon. Um, I, I assume sort of general consensus we will be renewing as and when we can, yeah? Yeah, um, is this a business model question? No, not um, at all. Not at all. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I was, too, I was too busy looking at uh, even Robbie was stroking his chin there. I feel I know, like I'm having an effect on you guys um, at this point. But uh, yeah, listen, it's to, to my actual, to my shame, I haven't renewed yet, um, but I intend to. So maybe I lose some staunch points because I wasn't you know, queuing up on the website at seven in the morning or something like that. Um, I'm a very tropical mood today, obviously. But, um, it, oh, did you see the people queuing up? Who queues up at seven in the morning to get a pre-mark? Bonkers. Or mark, depending on how you pronounce that. Bonkers. Yeah, and I'm not saying anybody shops in pre-mark or primark or anything like that. I'm sure they do very nice clothing at really affordable prices or whatever, right? But come on, yeah. what are you thinking? Agreed. I mean, I mean, queue up to see you guys. Uh, that um, no, that's but, not true, Thomas. Come on. That's true. I often do. Nobody comes and sees me. So. <laughs> sad but um, yeah, I, I, I feel I had to do my usual and throw something non football related into the conversation <laughs> at some point. But um, yeah, the only queue that performed bigger was than that one actually was uh, hypocritical uh, TV companies to slag the ESL. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a pretty fast forming queue as well as we said um, and I think I said on social media so anyway, we can now leave the, the governance of our game and it's, it's good fortune to these charities like Sky and Amazon and, and BT and yeah they all look after it, they're absolutely fine don't ask any questions, go, go and run yourself a bath so yeah none of which takes me back to, to your point um, which is it's fantastic and obviously the, uh, the club have had some activity with shares over the last couple of uh, couple of days which i'm not going to go into right we, we kind of know what that what that looks like but in the midst of a pandemic when you know it's it's tight tight for any club it's tight for any business yeah uh, in terms of the revenues means they'll be able to make a stand here to say we are going to back our fans by not raising these season ticket prices. Remember that it still makes a large part of our income. And given that we are looking to bring in new players and all that type of stuff, not only is it the club doing the right thing, it's the backers and the shareholders being able to support that as well. It's a fantastic, fantastic thing and really gives something back to the fans by not making them shell out any more money. And Rangers could quite easily have 
subscribed, oversubscribed that season ticket book again, even if they had raised prices. So they should be loudly cheered for that. Um, I don't know where that sends the bloggers who say that we are going into admin 1888 um, <laughs> or any point in time. But, I'm sure there'll be some sort of conspiracy. I hear we've been loaned the money by some offshore gangster bank or something <laughs> like that, right? But um, I see what that's We've got the vaults of Ibrox, the sweatshops, uh, Bica store, and that's how we make our money or whatever fanciful stuff that is, you know, uh, data girl this week, right? But so, yeah, to be able to do that is, is a great thing. And the fact that we've been able to do it in full confidence of the fact that it's not going to affect the business model or indeed the transfer acumen that we intend to deploy is phenomenal it's a really really good step by the club it's a great thing i sense it won't be done next season obviously no. but to your point as well i would be very surprised if we see full stadiums even come the start of next season yeah robbie you'd be hoping if you are to to renew for next season that there's a there's a good chance you're going to get someone near ibrox eh? the last thing i want to do is to listen to a political podcast right <laughs> <laughs> because <I> want... <laughs> A lot of people think a lot less than me. <laughs> nah, I, I really hope so because we've, we've obviously not had the chance to, on the back of it's been quite a, a negative podcast, we've not had the chance to show our appreciation to the, to the players and uh, the management within the stadium ground. So you obviously really hope we get an opportunity to do that, especially on Flag Day. So, yeah. And as we say, hopefully when that time comes, we've seen a... A fantastic number eight in the middle of the pitch. That's what I'd like to see. No, no, that I want Ryan Jack Lewis's number as such, but <laughs> the, that type of player, if he's starting in the middle of the pitch, I'd quite like. So I, I, I certainly hope I'll be there, mate, but uh, I, fingers crossed. I'm not sure I could. I wouldn't be putting money on it. Robbie, I'm going to stick with you because obviously Sunday sees the final old firm tie of the season. I think it's something that we, we look forward to perhaps after the 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 double-header disappointment of, of Wednesday and, and Sunday past. I just wonder if we all go into that tie on Sunday a bit wounded. Um, that could work two ways. It could either work in our favour that we, we come out the traps really hard or we can maybe struggle to get out the traps early. Uh, I don't know how you think we'll go on Sunday. I, I think I think it'll work in our favour, personally. Now, obviously, this week apart, there's not been many times where we've had a disappointing result and not responded. We look back at the the St. Lern tie, we then went out four days later and we're, we're down 1-0 to Motherwell, then won the game 3-1 with only 50 minutes to go. So one thing I think this team, well, there's many things that this team deserve credit for this year, but another is that the fact that we've been able to respond for, for negative performances, negative results. So I think it probably adds a wee bit more to this weekend's fixture because for me, if I'm still in the Scottish Cup, we spoke about it before, it's not the, it's not the biggest Fixture we've still got left to go in the season if we've still got a semi-final and, and potential final to play. The fact that we don't have that, it probably does add a wee bit more edge to the game. Because, again, we've talked about it before, momentum and psychology is a, a big thing in football. So if we can go through a full season un, undefeated against them, I think, I think that's massive. Especially, even more so given the fact that the last few ties have been closer. I think that actually makes it even better to go through undefeated because if we battle them in four games and then they beat us 1-0, then you think, well, over the course of the season, we've shown that in a one-off tie we're far better than you. Yeah. Even though we've got the better in the game so far, I think everybody's honest enough to admit that the last sort of two or three have been a lot closer than uh, the the first old firm this season. So if we can go out, they'll probably be looking at us thinking that maybe there's a 
think my armour potential weakness, our performances have improved slightly the on the downward trajectory, which obviously, despite the fact that we've been a bit critical of the team tonight, we know for a fact that that's not the case. We still know that we're a very good side. So I think that we've got a great chance to go out and show that again. So I definitely feel as though the, the players have proved in more than one occasion this season that they're capable of bouncing back for poor performances and poor results. So yeah. I, I, I go into the game weekend with a bit of confidence. Tommy, no such thing as a, a meaningless old firm derby, is there? No, there's, there's absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, Robbie's touched on some some of those points as, as well. That I'm a big believer and a big uh, reader, I suppose, of uh, sports psychology, psychology in, in general anyway, and the psychology of momentum and the role that that has. And sports performance is, you know, really tangible in terms of scientific studies behind it and stuff like that. Um, and if anybody's really interested in some good books to read, ask me in the comments and I will tell you, so to speak. And I thought you were going to promote means... yourself there. I, I genuinely thought, <laughs> I've written this book, it's available in any good bookshops. You can still like that spot, you've done a my turn there. Uh, well, well, I haven't written that book, but come October, <laughs> we can read Rangers 101 via from Flaris Publishing. Oh, it will be all about Rangers uh, from the good house of, uh, of Thomas. Um, there we are. There we go. I've written lots of other things, but I'm not going to tell you what they are. Generally graffiti. But, um, uh, but uh, I, I guess, obviously. Um, yeah, so I'm a big believer in the, the psychology of that and the psychology of building momentum and maintaining it. So Stephen Gerrard obviously is as well. He was banging on about some of that, and that's why it's such a disappointment with the St. John's team. Right? But we're packed that way now. We're not opening up that scary door again. So what you now go down the list of is you're looking at that momentum basis and you anchor the, the players back into getting to a stage of this. You never want to be in any stage or of a season or any competition or any sports arena or anything in life general, in my opinion, right, where you don't have a goal of something to achieve. And that can be small things like if you suffer from mental health issues or depression, your achievement is getting out of bed in the morning, right? Fantastic. You've got something tangible to hold on to there. For elite athletes, it's winning the things. And when you set those goals, right, you try and get to achievement, and that's all about maintaining the edge of saying that that's never taken, but you're not playing for nothing, right? That's why dead rubbers are exactly that, dead rubbers, you know what I mean? So now that that silverware has been taken off, I'm sure Stephen Gerrard and his management team will be trying to say, okay, now it's back to achievement again. And what can you achieve? You can dominate in the old firm game where historically, and by historically, I mean very, very short term, historically, right? Rangers were not dominating that fixture. Now I want you to go over and dominate it over a season, right? Which is why it's really important to beat them. And then the next achievement to unlock after that is the achievement of getting through the season unbeaten. Yeah. So if you can do that, then you can say, well, actually, we can not write off some things, but when you're doing that psychological triage, so to speak, and you're working your way through that, you can say to the players as a group, we know we need to look at the cup competitions better and in more detail in the way we manage games and it led to these issues, right? But that's fine. We can pack that away and we can deal with that. What we can base ourselves on is over the course of a season where it really matters, where you're playing everybody and not one-off games, you've consistently showed yourself to be above the bar with these teams and you've achieved X, Y, and Z. And that could be, you know, that unbeaten season. So that's the momentum that you take into next season because you're not going to have a cup final. But what you can say is you have shown yourself and the strength of your league dominance, the ability to dominate all of those teams. Now I need to just tweak the fact that 
you need to bring it for the full game and you need to be able to turn it on in one-off games because it's a slightly different mentality as everybody will appreciate to saying everything on the table for this one game whereas some athletes will say I can have a little bit of a bad day because ultimately it's a league game and we will repair it over the course of a season yeah. and it's a slight switch of the, the mindset with the current that so I, I sense that that's why having derided it uh, you know, the other week now there's no other trophies on the horizon the achievement that we should be looking for is to get through the season unbeaten and that starts with putting Celtic absolutely in the ground with continued dominance of this fixture this season to yep. say you're going to have to do something really big over the summer to turn that around and we will see you next season and we intend to be even better and even stronger but it's very much about putting them in the shade as the junior partner of the old firm and they've always been the junior partner of the old firm but very much showing them that that's the momentum psychology of the sports performance piece so to speak so to um, host opportunity number three i'm enjoying this <laughs> there in the hot seat. i don't i don't know where to look them on the camera <laughs> so to, for me i think this backs up the, the point i made but i'll put it to you scott so to back up the example I made of the psychology and the momentum it builds and how it can impact you further down the line without necessarily realising it. Yeah, yeah. We look back to the game we won at Parkhead last year, 2-1, Ryan Kent, Nico Katic. Do you feel that that had an impact on us winning 55 this year? I think it, um, it showed that we can be better than them. I think that afternoon, it, it was a perfect illustration of... Um, how far we had come at that point under Steven Gerrard um, and how we were no longer the the sort of kicking ball for them. I, I felt we through, went through a couple of managers and a couple of really, really terrible performances where wherever we were playing Celtic, there was um, almost a, an obviousness around the fact that we were going to get hammered and we were going to get a do, and it was going to be how how low the score was going to be over than anything else. But that Katic header, that moment, um, was the moment where it all changed for me. And I I, I appreciate we've had the, the sort of Dubai sort of fallout in between from our, our own perspective, where, where things kind of went tits up a little bit. Um, however, that Katic header, I think, was the was a huge turning point in, in Steven Gerrard's Rangers career. I think it became the moment where the Rangers fans and the players and maybe the staff, even in and around the club, maybe felt that there was a, a slight change on. Because I, I, I certainly believe so anyway, because it's one that you look back in that game, you think, oh, how, how great was that day? And people always make the point, well, it didn't matter because we didn't win the league that season. I totally disagree with that because that still has a huge psychological impact on what we do in that fixture going forward and I think it's it's been proved this season because we went to Parker the next game and we made it look as though it was a training game yeah but I definitely think that it just to why I'm bringing this into our relevance to the discussion for the weekend it's not at all a meaningless game because if you look at that game then the the one we ended on that season as well the one two and a half I think it was Take that into the new season. We've won two in the Lit Park Ken. You think the last three games, including the cup final that we'll be lost, you're like the last four old firms, Rangers have been by far a better team. Yeah. Whereas now the last three, it started to get a wee bit closer. So I think for me that's why 
this one has that added importance. If we can get through that, still win, and then, oh, by the way, the next old firm, we beat you and we dominate the game at the same time, I think that could be a huge winner for, for our point of view. Just a, sorry, just a couple of things just to add into that, because it's a yes. fascinating part of the conversation that has to be said. I think there's a, there was a couple of narratives on that particular day as well. It was being able to go to Parkhead, which even the best of Rangers teams have found difficult, obviously, right? Yeah. And then dominate them in a way that was really comprehensive. Um, you know, I think we, we really took it to them that day. And then inside the game, losing a freak goal mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the deflection or whatever, and being pegged back and then going back ahead again. Yeah. You know, showing that that could be done and we weren't just, you know, hanging on to something. And that goes back to the point I was making earlier. So if you kind of replay the way that I was talking about Stephen Gerrard, etc. I imagine I'm now doing it in terms of setting goals. When you come in, you start to set the goals. Mm -hmm. And that is, okay, what's been a fundamental problem? Well, there's lots of players in this team or whatever, right? Take James Tavenier, a perfect example, who has got scar tissue with this fixture. So no matter how robust somebody is, if you've been thumped consistently, and we were unfortunately being beaten by quite quite big score lines, that you take that with you, and you become, become slightly less about I expect to win and more of a I hope we can win, and that is a massive massive difference, right? Everybody will know that. So once you start to set those goals, one of the first one I imagine that uh, Stephen Gerrard said was I want to break the dominance in that one fixture. We might not win the title immediately, but I need to break that fixture and they break the feeling round about it from both the support and the players and then that's the launch pad to saying okay if you can dominate them you can dominate everybody else and if you're doing both of those things you're going to be lifting silverware coming the end of the season and that's the iteration development over those three seasons yes there's been pitfalls no plan you know perfectly folds out the way that you think it does when you start to i think the phrase is make contact with the enemy so to speak right that's life but in terms of setting those momentum goals, you can draw a thread all the way through what we're saying, which is come in, establish your team, make other teams start to feed us, break the dominance in the old firm game, start to be you know, the ones that have the dominance. And I think we're, we're pretty much there, um, if we can just see out this last one as well, and then carry that one into, can you build all that to break the dominance when it comes to the league championship? And we did that as well. We've cracked our rivals open. So that all we are now talking about is how we further our strength and our mental momentum. And all they're talking about is, can we maybe win the last old firm game and stop them going the season unbeaten? There's your polarity shift in the way that the psychology of that entire fixture and our place in, in the season sits. Just in that one encapsulation, that's what they're talking about. This is what we're talking about. They started the season talking about 10 in a row. I'm not talking about it anymore, other than I can't believe we didn't get 10 in a row. I can't believe it's not championship, so to speak, right? There's your psychology encapsulated within a very, very short space of time. That's the momentum of winning. Robbie, what's your um, prediction for Sunday afternoon? I'm going to go 2-0. Bog standard guess in it when you're not sure. 2-0. Absolutely. <laughs> Thomas? <laughs> Uh, well, I can't go for 2-0 now, can I? And uh, having said all that about the psychology of winning, I can't, I can't say it's going to be a draw or anything like that. I, I think Rangers will see out 3-1. Scott? I think 3-0. I, think I don't think we'll concede. Um, I, I think we, we... I just don't think we'll concede at the weekend. I, I think they'll have been given a bit of a rocket. I, I fully expect this week to be a bit of a twitchy... Um, 
day, every day they're in at the training centre. I don't think that Steven Gerrard will be particularly impressed with the way that the, the quarterfinal ended. Um, he, he spoke quite positively about making sure that the, the league championship was going to be the beginning of more trophies. And do you know what I mean? First hurdle, straight onto our noses. Um, and I, I fully expect there's been um, quite a few harsh words been had this week, and I would hope that they take that in their mindset into the, the game on Sunday afternoon at Ibrox. Listen, I've enjoyed having you on this week. Before I, I let you go, um, we should say uh, congratulations to the women. Another um, stonking effort over the weekend for Farmington, beating them 11 nothing. A special mention to Sam Kerr for a hat-trick in there, and a special mention again, we have to say, to, to Kirsty Howitt, who picked up a really horrible ACL injury at, at Celtic Park last week. So we wish her well um, from everyone at this Cybrox. Indeed, we have another podcast for the women's um, team this week, this coming Thursday. Special guest coming as well. Uh, more information to, to come on that. We have, indeed, just today, launched our new Twitter um, women's podcast Tommy keep it right it's at TII women is that right yep, spot on, spot on, spot. Um, so if you're a, a if you're a follower of the women's podcast indeed if you're a follower of of all the good things we do the free content that we have across at this cyberox.co.uk I urge you to to follow that account as well we'll be putting out um, pre-match stuff post-match stuff and all the good things that, that happen in between I'll be going out on on that um that forum so I urge you to to get on there and follow us Robbie thanks for coming on next uh, this week mate we'll get you on next week where hopefully we're talking about another Rangers Old Firm victory thanks very much mate pleasure again thank you Tommy, as, as I say to Robbie it would be, be good to sit down again next Monday and um, be fooling the knowledge that they they didn't hurt us this year at all yeah that's the overriding feeling that we take away there can be disappointments and we should rightly be uh, frustrated at not uh, marching on towards cup finals and stuff like that. But in my darker moments on Sunday, I did console myself with the fact that we are Scotland's champions. Thanks very much for watching again. My name is Scott Patterson. We do it all again next week. Best of British to Rangers on Sunday, and we'll catch you Monday next week. Thanks. Bye-bye. This is Ibrox, your Rangers podcast, brought to you by Triple H Mortgages, the one-stop shop for all your mortgage and mortgage insurance needs. Contact them on 01453887179 or via email hello at hhhmortgages.com. Fire's raging.